From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Today, we uh, step back from the politics and the, the policies, you know, that, that side of Washington, and we, uh, we're going to look on the personal side as we talk to two men who um, they do not hide their Christian faith under a bushel. Rather, they share the light of truth with humility, grace, but with determination and courage. So we're going to be talking today to Michigan Congressman Tim Wahlberg and Tennessee Congressman Mark Green. But let me remind you first to take the pledge. I don't know if you've taken it yet, but you can take the pledge. And what pledge? The pledge to pray, vote, and stand. I, I, I know we're not going to be talking about policies and politics today, but you still have a responsibility to be praying for our nation, to commit to vote biblical values and to stand for truth. If there was ever a time we needed believers, followers of Jesus Christ to pray, to be praying for our nation, to vote those biblical values and to stand for truth, it is now. So take the pledge, go to TonyPerkins.com. Our goal, one million people that will take that pledge to pray, vote, stand. Help us share that with your friends and your family. Again, it can be found at TonyPerkins.com and you can send it on to your friends. All right, this edition of Faith and Freedom is going to uh, to start with a good friend, a man who's become a good friend, uh, Mark Green. He represents Tennessee's 7th Congressional District. He spent 24 years in military service, attending West Point and serving in the Army's active duty forces and reserves. While in the Army, he deployed twice to Iraq and once to Afghanistan, earning the Bronze Star and the Air Medal with the V device for valor, among others. He was on the mission that captured Saddam Hussein, whom he interrogated for six hours. You can read about that experience in his book, A Night with Saddam. Having served as a surgeon in the Army, Mark Green founded a business to staff hospital emergency rooms. The company grew to a staff of, uh, to staff 52 hospitals across 11 states, generating $200 million in annual revenue. In 2012, uh, Mark was elected to the Tennessee State Senate where he helped to repeal the state income tax, only the second time in U.S. history a state has done so. Uh, Mark was nominated by President Donald Trump to serve in a cabinet position as Secretary of the Army. However, he was uh, criticized viciously by Democratic senators and by the mainstream media for his past statements affirming biblical positions on marriage, gender identity, and the fact that we have a divine creator. Uh, According to them, this uh, disqualified even a most distinguished combat veteran for being considered as Secretary of the Army. But here's what really drew my attention and my uh, my admiration for for Congressman Green is that he did not back down, did not apologize, did not restate what he had stated. He stood by his statements. And when the Democrats dug in their heels, uh, Mark Green withdrew his name from consideration and instead founded the Five Stones Network to train and mobilize faith leaders to make a political impact. He also served as chaplain of the Tennessee Senate. But in 2018, Mark ran and won the race to fill the vacant House seat of now Senator Marsha Blackburn. He is now one of Congress's staunchest defenders of religious liberty, support for Israel, and pro-life and pro-family policies. Uh, Mark serves on the Foreign Affairs Committee, the Homeland Security Committee, and the Oversight and Reform Committee. He is a member of the House Freedom Caucus, the Republican Study Committee, the Pro-Life Caucus, the Prayer Caucus, and the Values Action Team, among 
many others. Mark Green, welcome back to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Tony, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Well, let's just start. I mean, you've made no secret about your faith. Just share with our our listeners kind of your journey to as you came to know the Lord and how that's influenced your life. Sure. I, I grew up in a very rural part of Mississippi, you know, dirt road. I'm a dirt road Republican, I guess you could say. Um, and my father was being called into the ministry in my middle school and junior you know, and, and high school years, uh, but was running from God's calling. And so we were sort of in church and out of church, um, not very consistent at that time. But my mother, throughout all of that, was quoting scripture to me and putting the word in sort of uh, that way. And I got to West Point and uh, realized I needed to make a decision that the God of my parents would be my God, too, <clears throat> and uh, and got involved with an organization called the Navigators, realized that there was a call to be a disciple, and if the Great Commission is to everybody, and I think it is, all followers of Christ, then I have to be a disciple maker, too. And so I really began to train myself in Bible studies and things like that and in mentoring other believers on how to be a disciple maker, uh, was involved with the Navigators for many years, eventually went on associate staff with them, uh, did that for, I guess, probably 20 years or so in the military entity of the Navigators. Um, you know, met various life challenges myself, similar to my dad I, during residency when I, I really felt called to God to be in, me, in medicine. And we made that transition from being warrior to being healer and, uh, you know, during residency, kind of got caught up in medicine and the challenges and and also the the upside, you know, and and um, just being a doctor and, and kind of grew away from my faith a little bit, um, had a very uh, narrow, har- harrowing experience in Iraq where I really could have died. And you know, that's where the V device, I got the V device and, and God just really put the hooks back in me that uh, that I needed to get get back into being a ministering disciple. And so we, we recommitted to all of that and, um, you know, sort of gave up this quest for, for greatness that the military had uh, kind of put into my head. And the next thing I know, after I turned it all over to God, I'm in the, I'm in the president presence of the president of Iraq, Saddam Hussein. And of course that changed my life uh, in, in many ways. Um, uh, you know, I just, I believe we all have a calling on our life, and that's to make disciples. And uh, wherever I am, whether it's in a in a job in government or uh, in my membership in my church, um, I want to be a part of that process in people's lives. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating because, especially among men, men are driven to to succeed. I mean, they're, they're, they're driven. We're, we're that way by nature. Even as, as believers, we want to be successful. We want, we want to aspire to, to great things. But as you were just sharing, when, when we surrender, and that's really kind of laying down, denying ourselves. That's what Jesus says to be my disciple. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's when it all comes together. Uh, you know, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And, and that's what you're saying happened to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, Luke 9.23, which is the verse you just quoted, and there's a couple of versions. Matthew has a version, but, you know, denying yourself, picking up your cross daily, following hard after Christ. Uh, that's the same chapter, at least in Luke, where he says, you know, the guy who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Um, yeah, that had been my life verse. And when I got into medicine, it sort of changed. I, I, I changed Matthew 25 and the whole sheep and the goats. Uh, and really that whole chapter, it's three parables. You know, the, the, the ten bridesmaids, some were prepared for the wedding, some weren't. Uh, point of that parable, you, you have to be ready. Uh, you, you can't rely on others to do things for you in, in your faith wall. The second parable is the parable of the ten talents. God's given us abilities, and he expects us to return uh, an investment, a return on that investment in our lives. And then the, the last parable is the sheep and the goats, and he wants us to do that in the lives of his people. Um, and so now the focus is, for me at least, service and just serve in medicine, serve in Congress, serve you know, people. And, um, you know, that's, that's sort of where I am today in my faith journey. So, Mark, did you ever envision yourself being in Congress? I mean, you, you served in the military, you became a doctor, uh, you had a very successful business. Um, I mean, did you ever envision this? No, not really. I mean, I, I, I was always interested in politics. You know, my undergrad degree is in economics, and of course, that's policy and macroeconomics. But um, I was asked to run. And I was prepared to tell the lieutenant governor of Tennessee, no, I, I don't want to do that. I, um, yeah, I don't see that as my, my track. And I went back to West Point for my 25th reunion, and I'm standing there at the statue of Douglas MacArthur, and on the base of that statue is the duty, honor, country quote. Mm-hmm. You know, duty, honor, country, those three hallowed words reverently dictate what you can be, what you ought to be, what you will be. And I had attended a, a, a briefing about how West Point had changed since we were there just prior to standing at that statue. And in that briefing, the guy said, one thing hasn't changed. The mission of West Point is to create leaders for a lifetime of service to the nation. So I was like, oh, my goodness, duty. What is my duty? My duty is to serve this nation. So I went back and told him I'd run for office, and that's how I got into politics. Well, once uh, once we take that oath to defend the Constitution of the United States, it takes on many different forms and fashions. And part of that is uh, what's happening right here in Washington, D.C., on uh, on Capitol Hill. As you work through that decision, uh, Mark, share a little bit with our, our our listeners how how your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and how your faith influenced ultimately that decision. Well, again, you know... Christianity is about, I mean, Jesus Christ is about several key principles, uh, one of which is sacrificial love, a love that allowed the God of the universe who created all of us to, to offer his life in an incredibly painful death to pay the penalty for my own uh, sinfulness. And so for us to replicate that it's it's a life of service and sacrifice romans 12 1 you know offer yourselves as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god so you know those are the things that are in my head as i as i grapple with you know how am i best to serve and of course you pray to god and and uh, most of my life when i've made big decisions like that i've laid fleeces down 
Uh, I laid a fleece down, you know, to run uh, for this job for, for Congress. I laid a fleece down on whether or not to leave the infantry where I was very successful in a second command. Um, and I, you know, laid a fleece down and all, all of it, it came true. And, um, so we pursued the medicine route. Um, and, and I, I believe in that principle. It's not testing God's capability, but it's, it's affirming what God wants for your life. And that's kind of what Gideon did. He didn't test God's ability to help him win the battle. He, 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 in that he asked God for clear direction. Mm-hmm. And so I think we as believers should be doing that, uh, probably doing that a lot more uh, than we do. But uh, that's that's just kind of the way I've approached it. Yeah, I think it, it requires us to first spend more time with God and press in and be more deliberate in how we make our decisions and not make them fast. And and we have the opportunity to, to think through those and allow the Lord to uh, to speak to us as we seek really life-altering uh, decisions. Uh, Mark Green, we're up against a break. I want you to stay right there because when we come back, I want to talk about the role of faith in Congress. You know, how did you find Congress when you came here as a believer, and uh, how does your faith inform what you do as a member of Congress? We're going to talk about that. We're going to continue our conversation with Congressman Mark Green of uh, Tennessee. And coming up later, we'll be talking with uh, Congressman Tim Wahlberg of Michigan. In the meantime, you can go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and take the pledge to pray, vote, and stand. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after this. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. 
All these resources are free and available at frc.org slash worldview. Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Website, TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned at the top of the program, if you're on Twitter or on Parlor, it's at T. Perkins. And by the way, I put out a uh, daily uh, biblical quote, devotional thought. So if you want to get that, uh, follow me on uh, Twitter or Parlor at T. Perkins. All right, my guest, Congressman Mark Green of uh, Tennessee, and Mark, we were just about to go into one of my favorite questions because I, I've been here over 17 years in Washington, and I've I've watched a real transformation. I've seen an, uh, some exciting things happen, and and I think it's very encouraging because I've seen a lot of men and women who are very committed believers who the Lord ha- has led to Washington D.C. And so I like to ask this question because I usually get the same answer. When you came here, were you surprised when you joined Congress over the number of men and women of deep, committed faith that were here on Capitol Hill? Wow. I didn't know where you were going with the question, uh, but the answer is an absolute resounding yes. Uh, Particularly after my experience with the Secretary of the Army thing, which you mentioned earlier, you know, I was really vilified because of my faith and my faith positions, and I I can't change the source document to my faith. You know, I it it is what it well is. Well said. Well so said. I, I, you know, I I have to I have to live by that faith. Um, so, um, but it was it was horrible. And then you know to get to D.C. and to see all of these different Bible studies at varying levels of intensity. Um, of course, I had a, a navigator rep that, that led the Bible study at our home uh, for for this since I've been there. Um, but, yeah, I've been really, really surprised. Uh, absolutely. And that's a source of great encouragement because it tells me that God has not, well, forsaken Washington, D.C., nor our nation. In fact, the opposite is, I said, he, I've watched this process where more and more Men and women of deep, abiding faith are being called into this arena who have been successful in other walks of life. And, you know, not at a, not a majority yet, but it is encouraging to see that 
uh, transition of taking place in Congress. And I think this is a part of why you were vilified and why you were attacked when you were made or you were nominated for the Secretary of the Army. Because I think there is an effort to try to keep people of faith from entering into this arena of public service because there's still this narrative, well, you got to check your faith at the door. But, But I want you to speak to the role that faith plays as a member of Congress in making sometimes some very difficult decisions. Well, you know, first I want to make sure that everybody knows because I'm a Christian, I, I can serve everybody, even people who believe differently than I do. Uh, that was something I didn't get an opportunity to say with the Secretary of the Army thing. Because I have my, my beliefs doesn't mean that I'm not able to serve everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, bigger in the bigger sense, the same in Congress. You know, our faith... Um, And the battle that's going on right now in the country is to separate us from the moral uh, moorings, really, that, you know, that that sort of virtue. You can't have freedom. I think it was Eric Metaxas who recently pointed out this. You can't have freedom without virtue, and you can't have virtue without faith or at least some moral code, and you can't have faith without freedom. And so that circle – uh, the, 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 there are forces attacking that foundation of faith and moral code. And, you know, that's where I see religious freedom and the real battle in Washington, D.C. right now. Um, and so my faith, you know, informs me on the importance of that, to have virtue in a society so that we can have freedom. Because if it's all lawlessness and, and we're all selfish and we're all Lord of the Flies fighting for our own – government has to step in and be totalitarian in order to control the situation. So to have freedom, you have to have virtue. To have virtue, you have to have some moral code. For me, that's faith. Uh, I think for the founding fathers, that was faith. And so that's the battle that we're fighting right now. And without that battle, we don't have freedom. Uh, So, I mean, I don't really know how else to articulate it. but yeah, you can see it happening in cities all across the country. And and you know, Oz Guinness writes about that as well. Is kind of the golden triangle, and it's yeah, it is what is being attacked because it is the foundation. But here's how we protect it: we use it, we uphold it. It's like the it's like the freedom of speech. You know, what good is the freedom of speech? In the First Amendment, if you lock it away in a box and say it's protected, we're not going to use it, but we're going to protect it. You can't protect it unless you use it. That's how we preserve it. And the same is true with virtue. The same is true with these foundational elements. We've got to practice them. We've got to protect them. We've got to uphold them. And we do that by practicing and not hiding our faith or checking at the door of public service. Yeah, we're all flawed men, right? I mean, and and I think a lot of times people are not as bold as they they should be, you know, maybe they choose not to put the little fish symbol on their car because they know they're going to misrepresent, right? So Yeah, because <laughs> they drive bad. Or cut somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? But but we're all flawed. So so just get over that and 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 let's talk about it. Let's 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 be bold in our faith despite the fact that if you ask me, I can I could confess a lot of selfishness at, and and but but the reality is, is we just got to be bold and, and tell people, get over that and just tell people, you know, because that really is the point of it all. Yeah. God forgives all that stuff. Well, and 
Um, it goes back to what we said earlier, where we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, because a lot of this is a fear that people are going to say bad things about us. And the reality is today, if you stand for the truth of Jesus Christ, people are going to say bad things. You just have to assume that that's going to happen. Yeah, ask Russ Vote, who Bernie Sanders grilled in his uh, nomination hearing because he'd written an article about his faith. And that video on YouTube is profoundly disturbing. Yeah. Um, to think that because he, he, he believes what he believes, he's disqualified for the job. Um, that's what we must stand against, and we do that by not being quiet, but lovingly, but with great conviction and courage living out our faith. Mark Green, we're, we're out of time again, but I want to thank you for being generous with your time and, and joining us on this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Thanks, brother. Always good to be on your show. All right, Mark. Good to talk to you. Folks, don't go away. On the other side of this break, Congressman Tim Wahlberg of Michigan joins us. Don't go away. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? To this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch, uh, as we talked about at the top of the programs, where we step back and focus not so much on the policies and the politics of Washington and state capitals across the country, but rather on the faith, the, uh, the, the Christian faith that leads many men and women to step into the political arena. And, you know, many would say, well, you know, as we talked about earlier, that's not for people of faith. Well, I'm telling you. One of the reasons I'm encouraged is that I see more and more uh, 
men and women of deep conviction being called into public service. And it's important. It's very important. Well, my next guest is um, the congressman for Michigan's 7th Congressional District. His name is Tim Wahlberg. He spent his early career working for the U.S. Forest Service and in a steel mill. But in college, he turned to a career in ministry. He attended Moody Bible Institute, as did his wife, Sue, and he earned a bachelor's degree in religious education from Taylor University. He later earned a graduate degree in communications from Wheaton College. Uh, Mr. Wahlberg has uh, felt the call to both politics and the pulpit. He pastored for four years at Grace Fellowship Church in New Haven, Indiana, and for six years at Union Gospel Church in Tipton, Michigan. Now, after one Sunday where he challenged the congregation to be politically engaged, uh, Tim took his own challenge. He ran for a seat in the Michigan House of Representatives on a platform based around ending taxpayer funding of abortion. And then he spent the next 16 years advancing pro-life, pro-women policies in the Michigan capital. Tim left politics for a decade. He worked to create local community betterment programs as president of the Warren uh, Rutherford Center for Education and uh, Community Impact and served as a division manager for Moody Bible Institute. He was eventually persuaded to run for U.S. Congress, and he now represents, as I said, Michigan's 7th Congressional District. Uh, Tim attends the Jefferson Gathering, a weekly Capitol Hill worship service, and he occasionally preaches there. He serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee and the House Education and Labor Committee. He is a member of 45 different caucuses, including the Congressional Prayer Caucus, where he serves as co-chairman. He's also part of the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus, the Congressional Israel Allies Caucus, and the Republican Study Committee, as well as the Values Action Team. Congressman Tim Wahlberg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, it's good to be back with you. appreciate the work that God called you to as well. And um, Well, I must jump in and say I, I, I never asked my congregation to get politically involved. That somehow got me politically involved. I asked them to involve themselves in their their community as 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 a uh, salt and light uh, displayer in the community, not just to keep their Christianity to themselves, their family, and our church, but make a difference in the world. And that was when Sue and I thought, you know, if we've asked our congregation to do it, what will we do? And that got us in the right to life cause in our county, and that really began. Everything that ultimately led to me uh, running for office. Well, I mean, Tim, that is what the Christian life is about. It's about taking the truth of the gospel, the light of the gospel, outside the four walls of the church to influence the world around us. Is that not what is happening for the men and women of faith who come into, uh, whether it's in Congress or state legislatures across the country? I mean, that's, that's a part, I believe, of God's call of the kingdom. It truly is, and we know a lot of instances in Scripture, Old and New Testament, where Christians were in government. Uh, some were brought in, like uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and Joseph, and others that uh, uh, kind of kind of pulled in, not with their own desires, but God used them powerfully uh, to impact the world and to uh, bring nations to to their knees before God and even uh, kings and and others, the pharaohs, to, to say, hey, uh, the God of Daniel, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
the God of Nehemiah is is the God that uh, we will serve. So I think there is a place certainly for Christians to be involved in any sphere where we can touch the world around us. And it was while I was a senior at Moody Bible Institute that uh, my advisor, Dr. Harold Garner, gave me a verse that really vaulted me into, I believe, what God has done in my life. And that was Acts 20, 24, where it says, but I don't consider my life as any account as dear unto myself that I might finish my course in the ministry I received of the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And and that's what life is all about. And uh, though at that time I thought I was going into the pastorate, um, which I, I did, but I never contemplated a political life and having really, Tony, for all intents and purposes, I guess I'd arm wrestle anybody who disagreed with me on it. I'm on a mission field, mm-hmm. and I'm on a mission field in, in the U.S. Congress. Uh, w- without question. And there's some, what I have found very strong similarities between the pulpit and what some may describe as politics. It's it's all mm-hmm. ministry. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Tim Wahlberg, stick with me. We're up against a break. We're going to come back, finish our conversation, because I, I want to I unpack a little bit more about what led you into this, you know, stepping out of the pulpit into the political realm? There's some similarities, but there's a lot of stark contrast as well. Folks, Tim Wahlberg, my guest, congressman from the 7th District of Michigan, former pastor, still has the heart of a pastor, still ministers. And uh, we're going to be talking with him about uh, that role of faith and uh, Christian faith and how it guides and directs him here in Washington, D.C. The website, TonyPerkins.com. When we come back, more with Tim Wolver. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. 
Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Listening to the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad to have you along the website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything from today's program, you can find it all later at TonyPerkins.com. In fact, if you missed anything in the last, I don't know, several months, it's all there at TonyPerkins.com. Also, let me challenge you to take the pledge. What pledge you would say? The pledge to pray, vote, and stand. We need to be praying for our nation as never before. We need to commit to vote, to vote biblical values. And three, we need to stand for that biblical truth no matter what. Well, joining me now, uh, my guest in this uh, second part of the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch, Congressman Tim Wahlberg. He represents the 7th District of uh, Michigan. Uh, Tim, as we were up against that break, I, I mentioned the fact that there's a lot of similarities. I've been a pastor. Uh, I've been in public office. And, and when I was at Liberty University in my undergraduate work, <clears throat> I was uh, never never thought about politics. In fact, I thought I had a hard time um, with the idea of being in, in the political arena, although that's where I kind of surrendered to it, uh, is that, uh, you know, I was reading John Calvin talked about how it's a it's a high calling of God to serve in that position. I never seen it as ministry. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you read in Romans uh, 13, that these are ministers of God. So, in fact, this is ministry that is taking place when we do it the way God wants it done. Right. And if it's his purpose for our life, it's interesting. When a person just simply opens their arms to God and says, pull me where you want, put me where you can use me, I want to be about your purposes, he seems to do it. We sometimes wrestle too much with what is God's will for our life way out when if we're doing God's will, Day by day, as we find it in the Word of God, those basic things, it's amazing how he moves it. I wanted to be a forest ranger. It was while I was studying for forestry that God really got me excited about sharing my faith on a college campus. And so I went to Moody planning to go into campus missionary work like Crusade or InterVarsity. And it was there he brought me into the pastorate. It's a place I never planned to go and really didn't want to go, uh, but uh, found that to be a wonderful place of growth for me as well as ministry opportunities, but then just simply saying, 
God used me where you can, even as a pastor in the community, brought me into the life issue. And ultimately, they were looking for someone to um, go to go to Lansing, our state capital, and fight against the abortion issue and stand for righteousness. And as I first fled like Jonah, ultimately having to say yes to God as he made it very clear that he that he was behind me running. Not necessarily did I know that I would win. I just felt peace about running both my wife and myself. And 16 years we spent in the, in the state legislature and and saw saw great success in achieving some of the things that we felt God brought us there for. But but over time, you know, it, you just you say what next? And to work at Moody Bible Institute and advance the ministry there. But then to be called and, and say, would you, would, would you run for Congress? Uh, we need someone who's a conservative, who stands for the traditional values and, and the Christian faith. And ultimately, that decision was made as well, and it was a challenge, and we've had challenges even staying here. But this is truly the place of, of, of God in my life. And I, I guess, Tony, what I want for my life is at the end to be able to say, as it was said of David, in Acts 13:36 after David served his generation according to the purposes of God hmm. that's the key sticking point according to the purposes of God he died very simple yeah he served his generation according to the purposes of God he was done and 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 I think whatever God has planned for me while in congress or subsequent to being in congress uh whatever that might be um I want it to be in the purpose center of God's plan for my life. And I would say anybody, whatever place God has put you with your sphere of influence can be the purpose center that God has for you. And if that's the case, in the end, you can say, it's done. You've completed it. You've served your nation. And uh, whether it's pastorate or whether it's politics or whether it's a machinist like my dad and serving God where he could at the job, but with youth clubs and Christian service brigade groups and all of that, it was God's purpose in his life that gave him the fulfilling life that he had and the impact for Christ. And even though you look at these different positions, if you will, that you have occupied over time, and I have a a similar background in that sense, but there's continuity because when our focus is serving the Lord, again, speaking to the, the description of David, you know, when we serve according to God's purposes, it can. It, it doesn't always have to be in the same position. It can be in different right. places, but we're serving the Lord. He's our employer. He's the one we work for. He'll assign us where he sees us uh, best fitting and where the need for what he has created us to do is uh, is most acute and where we um, will best fit in. And, and I think sometimes it's just it's yielding to that aspect of, of God at work in our lives. Well, the exciting thing, too, Tony, like a passport, and when you take that first trip needing a passport, you get the stamp. When you take a second one, it's another one. All of a sudden, you're looking at that passport and say, wow, that's been an interesting experience. And now, what is God, God stamping in our passport of life, of ministry? And it's pretty cool, like you, to look back and see where God uh, directed you through and brought you to where you're at now with a, uh, a national, international um, uh, focus uh, in, in many ways, not only on, on in the radio realm, but in many ways. And, and I can look at that and say, man, I never expected growing up on the south side of Chicago uh, to, uh, to do anything that I've done now. And while I 
would have loved forestry and I still love getting out in the, into the field and hunting and fishing and camping and hiking and all of that. I've got that in Michigan, but I've also got a greater ministry in, in some really, really unique ways. And that passport book is being stamped by God day by day. And uh, I don't know what he has for the future, but I'm kind of excited to see. Well, as long as you still got pages in that passport, that's what uh, it, it actually to, to use that illustration, because you made reference to this earlier. And I think it's important for believers to understand this, that it's a journey and the journey was is not without uh, challenges. I mean, I look at my passport and I often think of, uh, oh, yeah, that's where I lost my luggage. Uh, that's where, you know, there's challenges <laughs> along that way. But it's still a part of God's plan, and we cannot yeah. be dissuaded, discouraged by the fact that challenges are going to come. Just because we surrender to the hand of God in our lives that will move us from place to place, from pastorate to uh, politics, doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges. Yeah, yeah, it, very much so, absolutely. And some of those, when you see how God superintended that for your growth and ultimately brought you through, you look back and say, wow, that was a special part of the trip. You know, I look at look at ministry here in in, uh, in Congress, and very seldom does it work out as I think it should and how I would plan it. And the way I minister with my colleagues is very different than the way I intended to minister and thought I would minister. And sometimes just stepping back and recognizing that God superintended that. He brought that opportunity. He brought you into a situation where you weren't fully certain that it was going to be ministry. And all of a sudden it turns into a, an abundant ministry opportunity if you're ready and open to it. And so he's, he's, he's training me. He's stretching me. He's changing me. And he's growing me in a way that uh, I, I hope I can honestly say, God, I can depend upon you more and more out of a natural mode as opposed to doing it by rote. And uh, it's pretty cool. I, I, you know, like I say, um, if we are about his purposes and our arms are open to him saying, take me, use me for whatever it is, I know you'll prepare me for whatever it might be. Um, it seems to happen. And uh, like I said, I, I don't know what the future stamps will be in the passport or if there will be any other. But in the end, I want to be able to say, as was said of David, after he served his generation according to the purposes of God, he died. Mm. And that doesn't talk of any type of retirement, does it? It does <laughs> it not. talks about being faithful right to the end, right to You're the end. Absolutely right. nursing home. <laughs> absolutely right. There's always work to be Done. Folks, uh, you're listening to a Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. So glad you are with us. My special guest, Congressman Tim Wahlberg of Michigan. He represents the 7th Congressional District. If you're just tuning in, a former pastor called into the political realm to minister in this realm. And, you know, many, Tim, today, you know, suggest that, uh, you know, people of faith should check their faith at the door of public service. Uh, but let's talk about the role your Christian faith, and I know you're not alone because there's many, many members of Congress who are believers who share the same view. But what, what's what? Explain that role that your your Christian faith plays as a member of Congress. Well, my Christian faith is my life. I'm a Christian first um, before I'm a politician. But my Christianity has to influence. My politics, it has to influence how I deal with my constituents, it has to influence how 
how how much of a worker I am and how committed I am to doing my job fully. It, it has to influence the policies that I will support. It has to influence the deference that I will show to people I disagree with. Uh, standing in front of a, uh, a town hall, and I, I, I have done, according to the record, more town halls than all but nine other members of Congress, live town halls, and some of those are pretty ugly, <laughs> yes. with demonstrations, etc. And I, my Christianity has to impact uh, how I deal with them. That is a Casper milk toast, not falling on my knees and backing off. And I can be firm, but I can be faithful to the the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ with truth and grace as well. So it has to direct all that I am as a politician, even as my faith has to direct all that I am as a husband and a father and a grandfather. It is who I am. And if it isn't, then I haven't caught it yet. I just haven't caught the reality of what my Christian faith is all about, that he's changing me day by day and molding me into a really who Jesus Christ is, though I'll never achieve that this side of of glory, uh, yet that's the purpose. And so that should make me a better politician as I seek to influence, but also serve. Absolutely. And we're to do all things as unto the Lord. And we give our very best and we serve him. And the people around us are the beneficiaries of the byproduct of that service to the Lord. Uh, Tim, I often ask members of Congress this, uh, and I know you served in the state legislature there, but Congress, you know, the media doesn't focus on the men and women of faith so much so. If they do, it's kind of in a negative sense. And and those those are not, you know, the prayer meetings, the Bible studies that take place on Capitol Hill. That type of fellowship is not really focused upon. Most people don't do not know that that happens. Were you surprised when you came to Congress to see the number of men and women that are true disciples of Jesus Christ and the depth of the commitment. Oh, I, I sure was. I didn't know what I'd see there. I knew in the state legislature we had a number of wonderful believers that we fellowshiped with, but I didn't know about Congress. I knew about some. Mike uh, Mike Pence was the first one to reach out to me and invite me to a Bible study I'm still in every Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock. And um, I was amazed to see some of the names that are in there, and I won't uh, violate any privacy by, by saying, but it was so encouraging to see um, leaders uh, that I had heard about um, from, from watching Congress who were in that Bible study and sincerely seeking God's guidance in the Word of God, and then to go to the uh, Congressional Prayer Caucus uh, that Randy Forbes invited me to that meets every opening night of session just off the House Chambers in Room 219. And uh, that's been going on for quite a few years. It's a caucus set up like every other caucus. Uh, meets all the requirements ethically, uh, financially, uh, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, we meet to pray. That's all we do is meet to pray and see Democrat and Republican members that do that. And then, then on Thursday morning, Congressional prayer breakfast that's gone on for almost 80 years, I, I believe. And that's a different setting. That's that's more, uh, I guess you'd say, ecumenical. Um, but that stretched me to, to see that my faith ought to be able to be uh, carried out in a loving, caring, gracious way, even with uh, members of the other party that don't necessarily coincide with my faith or my understanding of 
of doctrine, but it's proved to be a wonderful opportunity to develop relationships and then have ministry opportunities in the future, not just for that purpose, but because we've developed that relationship of a friendship and a caring about each other. So all of that is there. People don't know it, and it is very private. It's way beyond um, uh, what a chaplaincy of, of the House or Senate would be. It's it's that personal construct that's there because members do realize that the spiritual life is important, and I want to be part of helping my colleagues to grow and also uh, thankfully helping some come to know Christ. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, it is encouraging to me to see the number of men and women of faith that are being drawn into this arena, despite the challenges that are here and the obstacles that they face, uh, but they're still yielding to that call. Tim Wahlberg, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us today and appreciate so much your leadership on Capitol Hill. Tony, thank you so much, and thanks for your leadership for the cause of Christ. All right. Tim Wahlberg, to find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. And, uh, in fact, go back and look at, uh, listen to the archived versions of our Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I think you'll be encouraged by the number of men and women who are here in our nation's capital, not to serve a political party, not to serve even for policy initiatives, but to serve their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until next time. I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 